0: The first thing I want to say is I accidentally did it right. And I laugh because, you know, having a coaching business, a training business, a consulting business prior to building software, so much of what I learned in building my business, while it seems like, wait, what does software have to do with coaching? You could say literally nothing, but it's actually everything because it's marketing and bootstrapping and like making the money work and pulling in the capital, but through products and services, right? And so I did what a lot of people do in this space is pre sell something before you have it, right? And that was something I was teaching with my course creators was don't make slides just show up and teach live and I'll show you how to do that
1: you're listening to the move to millions podcast with dr. Darnell J Harmon if you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company cash flow and connection to and beyond the million dollar mark let's get this party started so, it is powered by Positioned for Millions, my private advanced training that literally breaks down the framework that my clients and I are using to shatter our income ceilings, close the gaps, and turning them into gateways so that we consistently generate $30,000 to $100,000 a month inside of our service based businesses. Learn more and apply today at partnerwithdarnielle.com. In today's episode, I sit down with the Lindsay Padilla. Oh my goodness. Lindsay and I, we talked about so much. It was phenomenal. Like, I really just want you to hear the episode. We talked about the fact that audio is the key to moving millions. And you know, move to millions is a double entendre. It's about both the impact and the income that you will generate as a result. And Lindsay has a really, really powerful story about how her company, uh, Hello Audio, is literally shaking the planet. And we get into all of that today. Let me read a quick bio on Lindsay. Dr. Lindsay Padilla is an ex-community college professor who accidentally started a business while on the tenure track. Now is the CEO and co-founder of the Hello Audio Software, which takes your content and creates private audio feeds to make learning on the go much easier for your people. Lindsay challenges online industry norms of unfinished courses and unconsumed content with her product. All of her business ideas were born out of her tenure track years teaching adults online at a community college. The ridiculous amount of learning she's done in all things education and the years spent growing her course creation business online. I am really excited for you. If you've never had an opportunity to experience Lindsay, you're welcome. If you've experienced her in the past... You're welcome. Either way, your life is about to become so much richer from everything that we talk about in this interview. I want you to grab pen and paper, take three powerful deep breaths, and then join me for my conversation with Lindsay. Lindsay, 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 I am so excited to welcome you to the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today? I am doing fabulous, and I'm waking up early for you, and I said, I only for Danielle
0: it. will I wake up at 8 a.m. and do a podcast.
1: I am I'm so excited. appreciative. I so am. So we were just talking before we started recording about how I even knew that there was this amazing creature in the world named Lindsay, and it's because of Clubhouse. Like, it not Clubhouse. for Clubhouse. I don't know if I would have ever heard of you, and I'm just so grateful to the Clubhouse gods because... Same. I think it it was
0: Audrea Richmond to be exact. I think it was her room is where I remember first hearing you speak. And I was like, I like what this woman is saying. I like the impact she has on a room. You know how you can like feel it? You can feel. And you came in with that energy. And I just was like, I would like to be friends with her. (laughs) So I think I stalked you. We started, ended (laughs) up in similar rooms together and having conversations. And so it's also shout out to Audrea, who I love as well.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. She just... I just love how she commands her space, Yep, like taking no prisoners, no apologies. This is who I am. This is what I know. Boom. Yep. So I actually had an opportunity to meet her face to face. About a year ago, right before COVID happened, mm-hmm. one of my clients was hosting an event and she was an attendee of that event. Oh, cool. And so I was like, I've heard your name. Now I can put, you know, everything together. Yeah. I so- knew her from Stu McLaren tribe, okay. actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we got to hang out. She went to the live event. We both went to the live event and we pretty much hung out the whole night that he puts on like a party, almost like a prom. <laughs> it feels yeah. like a prom when you're there, but it was nice.
1: That's pretty cool. So just take a quick moment and tell everybody who you are in your own words.
0: Yeah. So I'm a teacher at heart. I've spent my whole life studying to be a professor. And I was a sociology professor at the community college level. And my husband also was a physics professor. And I was committed to that path. And it was my dream job. I think that's really important to share with people because I actually, yeah, accidentally started a business. I got just a little taste of what I could bring in outside of teaching. I remember hitting my first thousand dollar month and I was like, oh, this could be really big. Why would I settle for just that extra thousand when it could be something even bigger? And once that idea kind of planted in my head, that became the end of my teaching career. And I had left by the end of that actual school year. So, or not school year, sorry, calendar year, 2016 is when I left December, 2016. But yeah, and I had a little bit of an identity crisis early in my in my business building because I truly did love teaching and so it was always about how could I come back to that because I believe that is truly like the center of who I am is being an educator and now building a business and growing companies it's more about having a bigger impact outside of the walls of an institution. And so that's kind of what I've been doing for the last six, wait, I guess it's not entirely six years, five and a half years since I left teaching.
1: That's pretty cool. I um, fancy myself a teacher too. I always loved teaching. I still love teaching. I mean, part of the reason that I do what I do in my business, I'm teaching, right? And Mm -hmm. it's the part I love the most. I have the coaching skill. There are people who consider me a business coach, but I do very little coaching. Very little. I'm either telling you what to do or I'm teaching you how to do something like that. There you go. Just yeah, of it. But I definitely feel you on the getting a glimpse of what is possible, mm-hmm. right? When I was in corporate America, I had I was engaged to be married the first time. That's a whole nother podcast. Not even an episode on a podcast. This is a whole nother podcast. But after my first engagement fell apart, one of my good girlfriends invited me to a Mary Kay skincare class. And so I started as a little closet beauty consultant. I didn't really want anyone to know because I'm a vice president and I've got this big title and all of that. But I remember the first day I passed the catalog around and I made 600 bucks in like 30 minutes. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Mm You could be on to something here. And I love what you just said a moment ago about how Not only were you always asking yourself, how could you get back to teaching that central port, that foundation of who Lindsay is, but more importantly, what I heard was making more impact. How could Mm. I make more impact? And I think about who you are today, which I would love for you to invite people into the progression of where we are now some five and a half years later and Hello Audio and the other companies that you run and the impact you now get to create as you're helping other people teach. Yeah. Hello.
0: Full circle, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I started my business. So I'm with you. I actually started as an MLM also. So I was a beach body coach. That was what my early days looked like. And I was listening to Pat Flynn and Amy Porterfield and these people online. And I was like, oh, I could make this really big thing. Why am I selling someone else's thing? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, props to the network marketing space. It always holds a special um, place in my heart as much as people don't like it. I just, it showed me what was possible because I wasn't looking. I was not looking. So I did need to say that. So yeah, it took me a hot second to actually realize how to show up in the online space. So I was like, I must be a health coach because that's right. Like it made sense from what I was prior. So I tried to be a health coach for a couple quarters. Actually, I want to say one or two quarters, bought my first courses and it was going to a live event and sitting next to Melissa Griffin, who teaches people how to blog. And she had this really popular Pinterest course at the time, million dollar business owner. And I was sitting next to her at a lunch, and she we we're passing around the credit card bill or whatever, and she's like, yeah, I have this course, and thousands of people sign up, but I really just wish they did it, because if they did it, if they followed what I shared with them, they would get results. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, have you tried blah, blah? I listed a couple of things. I've been teaching for seven years online up until that point. That was a part of my academic career was teaching online, mm-hmm. and she looks at me, and she's like, why aren't you teaching everyone this? And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys don't know how to teach online. (laughs) It was at that moment that I realized, oh, my teaching life is actually really useful in this space. Lots of people are trying to communicate what they know in a digital environment. And that's not a normal thing to understand. And most of the courses that people were buying about courses had nothing to do with teaching and everything just to do with marketing. And so people were really being left in the dark when it came to curriculum design. So that was what my business was like for about four years. I was consulting people, I was creating courses for them which I didn't love and was not very good at. And then I got back to teaching and I was like, I want to make a course and I want that to be the center of my business. And so I started to shift and created a course-based business and had been running it for about a year and a half to two years. And in that time, my core thing was still always, how can we get people to finish their courses? And how can we get them to just watch the videos? And then, uh uh-oh, what if watching the video isn't the problem? Maybe they should be listening. <laughs> Maybe if we can remove as much friction as possible. And so that was where we got the early idea for Hello Audio was just, you know, recognizing that, yeah, well, a lot of people in the space put a lot of time into their slides and these beautiful videos and cameras and the amazing course experiences. Some people do that. <laughs> Not everybody. There is also this space for, you know, being able to learn on the go and to be able to multitask and all of that. And so we just kind of asked, like, you know, the MP3 under the course video was just not cutting it. Like it wasn't being consumed in that fashion. And it's, you know, podcasts have figured it out, right? Podcasts are where we learn audio or can listen to audio and speed it up and all the things. And so, yeah, yeah it was that early idea. It was literally called podcast your course at the time, com, and... I sold lifetime licenses to a product that didn't exist. And I was like, well, if enough people raise their hand, we'll build it. And that, sure enough, that is essentially what happened. So yeah, I'm now in the software space and I've quietly shut down most of my other business, which was teaching courses. I may bring some of that IP actually into Hello Audio. We're working out some things about what it would look like. But for the most part, all in on software now. And that has been about a journey of about a year and a half at this point
1: to get to where we are today. Awesome. I love it. I just think that it is so powerful to, first of all, to have asked yourself that question, right? And mm. so for everyone who is listening right now, like when you can take what you do and simplify it down to the one question that's going to lead to the impact of millions, something amazing can pop out of it. And so... Today, we have Hello Audio, which is a platform that takes your coursework, your content, your teaching, and puts it in an audio feed that allows your clients, students, and learners to learn on the go without the friction that you talked about. And I mean, I only just discovered you a couple months ago, and now I just discover Hello Audio. And, And I'm like, I need this. Like, you, I forget what you were posting, but I was like, I need this. Don't I need this? Like, and so then I put a post in my Facebook group for my mastermind. I was like, hey, if you could listen to every, you know, one of our modules on a podcast feed, like who would be down for that? And everyone was like, me, me. everyone. i was like, awesome, we're <laughs> getting it, right. We're totally getting it because I know with my podcast, podcast feed, like what, you know, we have people listening all over the world and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm the same way. Like I created a course- years ago. I don't know. It was when we were doing home study programs. So oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Binders and the CDs. Uh-huh. Like I've been doing this since 2007. I've been doing it decently since 2010. <laughs> <laughs> and, Cause at first I was a hot mess, but anyway, I had, you know, these home studies and the one, it was so good. It was all marketing and it was organic marketing, and it, but it was, if people would actually do it, They would get results. And so people were buying them like hotcakes and we check in just 30 days later and they're like, oh, I haven't even opened it yet. And I'm like, dude, like your whole business life is in there, right? Mm -hmm. So then I ended up turning around and writing a book, Market Like a Rockstar, to take the crux of the marketing system and put it into a, a physical book that people would read. And I always was like, if I could just get people to actually go through the content, they would do it. I had a person who purchased that course It was way years later and she's like, I decided I finally, I had hit a rock bottom in my business and wasn't making enough money to hire anyone to help me. And so I decided to crack open the course, right? We ended up changing the name, but it was essentially the position to profit marketing success formula. And she's like, I decided to open your course and 30 days later I've generated like $30,000 and I'm like, see it works. And so I'm grateful to you that you have Hello Audio. And for those of you who are listening, we'll put all of Lindsay's deets in the show notes so you'll be able to go and learn about it for yourself. But what I really want to know, like as you sit today, a year and a half late, well, not more than a year and a half from actually having the idea, but actually getting the business foundationally to the point where it is helping to impact millions. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you feel when you just stop and you're like, we did this, Derek, like walk us into that conversation that happens.
0: Oh, it's been a journey also. So yeah. Thank you for reminding me to go back there because I think so much of is like, well, what we haven't done yet, like what I have on the agenda. Like here's where we're headed and I'm terrible at honoring the milestones and rewarding and recognizing where like and how far we've come. So thank you for bringing me there because it is amazing. I never little miss teacher like college while I never thought I would leave that job. And then I never thought I would have a business, you know, where I was making an income that I made in an entire year, right? I hit all these major milestones. Then it was like software. I actually avoided it, Danielle. I literally was like When everyone came in, I think we sold $30,000 worth of a lifetime license, which was about a hundred customers. It was on average 300 bucks per transaction. And I remember being like, okay, so we have to build this. I have no idea what to do next. No joke. Like, how do I find this person who's going to (laughs) like make it a real thing? All the things, right? Yeah. Like actually make it. So I avoided it for roughly three months. And I should say I avoided it. It, That sounds harsh. But I remember actually explicitly saying, I don't want to be a CEO of a software company. That's not part of the plan. I kept saying that. Like, I actually have this grand vision, you know, actually helping other academics leaving their teaching job and I saw myself as a source of inspiration for what was possible. And this is pre-COVID, right? I didn't even know what was coming. But I had this feeling like I really should be helping PhDs and academics like either start side hustles or, or start businesses. And I had a podcast around the same thing. And so I was like, how does this fit in, right? It doesn't. So let me just like make sure this thing gets built and whatever. So I actually went down this path of partnering with another podcast hosting software company. So someone had said to me, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's already podcast hosting companies out there. Why do you need to build Libsyn? And I thought that was logical to an extent, based on what my current desires were at the time and what I thought, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, what I thought was possible and what I would be best used as, right? Like how my skills would be best used. So we started conversations actually with a company called Glow FM who just got acquired by Libsyn two days ago, no joke. And they do subscription things and with podcasting. And I remember that whole experience. I felt like I felt like I would meet with their team and I'd be like, so this is where we're going. Like people wanna put content on podcasts and it's not just about monetizing podcasts. It's about people who already have content. And they were like, okay, I think I get it. So I was like trying to get them to build this. They were VC backed. So they had to go to their board and ask if it was right. And so I started to realize like, am I even going to be able to create what I need to create? Like it started to like come into my head and then without getting into too
1: much detail
0: for legal reasons.
1: Yes. We don't need any problems. (laughs) We don't need any problems.
0: I, one of our customers actually approached us in February of last year and said, why don't we just build this thing? This, this is what I know how to do. I've been building apps for a long time. And so we got into a partnership with one of our customers. And about four months into it, the thing was built. We were a week from launch. And they decide to not hand over the code to the product. And we get an email saying that she is going out on her own and is not going to be a part of this anymore. And granted, the whole thing is done, like ready for beta users. This was in May last year, end of May. Wow. That was horrible to watch something that you created for the most part while I wasn't literally pressing it. It was all of me. Everyone knew about the post I made. I mean, she was literally a customer. So she said, I'm gonna go out and make this. I'm gonna go out and sell it myself. And we got the legal advice and said, you could go after that code because it is rightfully yours. You all co-own it, by the way, whether or not (laughs) if you create something with another person, there is joint copyright, whether or not things are assigned or anything. It's actually just like built into the process. So she was claiming she owned it outright, which is wrong. And our lawyers were like, well, you have two options. You could fight her for that code because you totally deserve it. Or you could build it over and just start from scratch and you know, beat her in the marketplace, so to speak. So in June of last year, middle of COVID, we were like, I guess we're rebuilding it. So we found a new developer and it took us a hot second to be able to have the working product. By September, we actually went through another developer. But man, what it felt like to actually have real software that we created in the hands of people who were super excited about it was unlike anything I've ever felt, especially with that journey. And I knew when it was going down and this person was out there literally in her about page pretending like she came up with the idea and it was hers and that she did all the work and all this stuff. I knew I couldn't not build it. Like there was something inside that was like, Lindsay, you're the person to build this. She's going to be out there and she's going to be a mirror back of like, what an example in my head of like the person who's not supposed to build it, which means she will not be successful. Like you need to do this. There's a
1: scripture right now. Like forget where it is, but do not be the Galatians six and nine. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. You reap what you sell. So she's mm-hmm. not going to have any success trying to take your stuff. And that's the beauty of knowing that universally, yes. like all of these laws of sowing and reaping, like, yeah. Yeah. And I, it, her.
0: it was a year of trust, darn yeah. <laughs> like, Like the ultimate act of trust. And it still is every day, as we know, with building a business, trust and faith, yeah. because you're just like, what am I doing? And it was just, I mean, that was a very tough few months because it was, it felt like we were racing against the thing that was already out there while we had to build from zero. Mm-hmm. And now no one knows she exists. Literally, no one even knows there's a competitor because, right, it's not just the product that sells, great, it great, is great. the relationships, it is the marketing, it is like who you are as a person, especially in the early days of a business, in the early great. startup world. And the story of where this product, came from is my story. It's not hers. And she literally has to deny everything up until the moment, like either that or make it up, which is what she chose to do. People know that. People can read that because they can read energy, right? When you talk about the product. And so it's been fascinating because they always say with marketing too, like, you know, yeah, the product, it's not just the product that sells. The offer is really important. And it was a new way of looking at things. But she wasn't the messenger. And like, I'm the messenger and like this team and what we're building. And so, yeah, to be where we are now and to have, you know, Amy Porterfield and, you know, Digital Course Academy using it, I mean, it's everything because it was very scary there. (laughs) After. Very serious.
1: Danielle Jervie Harmon and Incredible Factor University is going to be using it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's a really powerful story. And it's a powerful message for the mm. people who are listening that, you know, we say it all the time. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Uh, yes. But we don't realize that the people that we share our dreams with can decide that they want this dream for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like what I talk about all the time is what I call the mirror effect. So All day, every day, we are a mirror. So you're right now mirroring to me something that I think is beautiful, that is brilliant, that is filled with light. And because I have my own brilliance and light, I am not distracted or intimidated by your brilliance and light. And so I can celebrate you and I can honor you with knowing that doing so takes nothing away from me, but not everybody looks at you that way. And so what likely happened for this particular person is she started to look at you and started to feel her own insecurities bubbling up and thought she needed to create a different reality instead of figuring out how to raise her shine Mm and partnership with you. And so it creates this impact that, she's going to A, have to live with it for the rest of her life. B, it's never going to be as successful had it been if the partnership ensued and whatever the two of you had worked out. And C, she's basically out of integrity and out of alignment, which means abundance is never going to find her because that's what happens energetically when we're not where we're supposed to be. And I just love that you guys made the decision to just start over to, you know, take the knocks and just say, okay, we got to hunker down and we got to do it because you're literally shaking the planet, Lindsay. Like that to me is like everything. So many lives are going to be changed because you had the courage and foresight in having this one little question turn into this massively successful entity that is now a software that is a service that can be used by every coach, consultant, teacher, university, it could be used by everybody. Like Mm -hmm. are you guys already talking about deals with like major institutions to make this available? That's a good question. So we're not going to get into ed tech. Okay. You're not. Okay
0: we're gonna actually go like the small business route. We actually okay. see like more lead nurture kind of stuff happening. My heart is with EdTech, right? And I actually get it from a teacher perspective and somebody who sat on a number of committees. It is a slow moving institution. So the conversations we would be having now, they likely would not actually be, you know, come to fruition for possibly a year and oh. a half to two years later because of the way the cycle works in those institutions. Okay. Either, a, someone's going to see us build this and be inspired in the ed tech space and go build it. And I'll be like, yay. Right. Or in a couple years, we decide that we want to build out that wing. Then I could see it. There's also when it comes to like the academic space, I was a professor who loved tech. So I would explore on my own. So we will offer an educational license for individual okay. professors to be able to say, I want this for my students. But yeah, could there be, you know, Stanford University podcast? Yeah, there very well could be where there's an app and it like has all your lectures in it. That would be really dope. It's just like a next level. There's different security that they want. For obvious reasons, we follow those kind of things. So it would... It depends. And this is where I say, because it's not a part of my current vision, but I'm also not completely against it. It would require probably a lot of capital. So if we do believe that that vertical makes sense for us, we might pursue it. But even if not, I know I can get in the hands of professors who want it. And that's yeah. important to me.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just love this idea of using audio to move millions. Like, mm. you know, when there is no barrier to how people receive the information, which I think is why, you know, podcasting in general is so popular. Why Clubhouse now with this billion dollar Mm -hmm. valuation is like taking the world by storm in such a short period of time. Like it's just something magical that happens when, People can listen. I was last week, I was with my clients at my mastermind retreat. And one of my clients, her daughter is now about to graduate from, or she just graduated from high school. She's going to college. And when we started working together, her daughter was like 10. Mm -hmm. And she's like, she grew up listening to you in the car because they would download the MP3s and, you know, all of that. And so I just think about how we have so much of an opportunity with our little people, you know, especially because from birth to the age of seven, we're determining who they're going to be when they're 40. Yeah. Yeah, That's a whole nother podcast episode. (laughs) But we have the ability now because of Hello Audio to be able to share impactful, inspirational, educational empowerment content in a forum that allows the entire car or the entire family to benefit from the Mm. skills that will be developed as a result of listening to the teacher, i.e. the course creator, the coach or whomever share how to do a specific thing, which I think is really, really powerful.
0: I love when you put it like that. It's true. It's true. (laughs) It's
1: so good. And it's like just the thought like i remember when my podcast like we were like number 1 in hong kong <laughs> like okay i'll <We'll> take <laughs> like, it <laughs> i'll take it right but it was like it was so cool because i remember in 2015 i spoke at the million dollar round table which is apparently a big deal i didn't know but it's apparently a big deal my breakout session had 2500 people in it dang 2,500 people in a breakout session. I literally, Lindsay, I was in my room and I went to go to the bathroom and I went outside. They hadn't opened the doors for people to come in. And there was a line all the way around the convention center. Like I literally took a quick video of it. I was like, people are not going to believe me when I tell them this. And the majority of the people were Asian. So all of those Asian countries. And I was translated into six languages in the back Whoa. of the room. So when I think hello audio and the impact of it, you know, like, and it was so funny because like, I would say the joke in English and then like, you know, the translators would do their thing. And then like a minute later, everyone would laugh. Everyone laugh. It's funny. <laughs> like, I wish I could know. Cause like one of my jokes is like, well, it's kind of a joke about being born in the projects. Like I would love to know the equivalent in mandarin of being born in projects right
0: <laughs> how like they translate the
1: that surreal thing and so when i think about using audio to impact mm-hmm. millions which you know is a big part of what we talk about here move to millions is the impact i just celebrate you because i just think it's phenomenal and i think it's so simple it's to me as simple as the sticky mm-hmm. right like whoever created the sticky Like I need to remind myself with tape with (laughs) adhesive on the back. And it's so it's like the same thing. It it seems so simple. Why didn't somebody else think of it? But at the same time, they didn't because this was your destiny. This is what you're yeah. supposed to create for the world, which I just think is so powerful. So let's talk a little bit about, cause I know that there are a lot of people, I did some development work to create my own software. The name for it is Jervy. Like my clients named it. They were like, you're made a name. And I'm like, Oh, it's not operational because I had the specs created, but I didn't take the next step. And now when I just saw the other day that Canva just got a billion dollar valuation. <laughs> I'm like, you need to develop your software and stop playing, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the process. Like, so we have an idea to solve a problem that software will make simple to solve, right? But there's so many, you alluded to it. There's so many moving parts. There's so many things you have to do. And I know a big part of that is getting access to the capital that it will take to put this together. I have a client who developed an app, I don't know, 100K later, The app is still needing stuff to be fully operational for the world. So, what are some of the ideas you have around how we can take these ideas that we have that become software as a service or SaaS as we know it in the marketplace and to get the capital that we need so we can impact millions? Like, what does that look like?
0: Yeah. Oh, I have a lot to say on this. And it's something that I've learned. I mean, this is fresh, y'all. This is like since probably August, September of this last year really starting to dive into what this looks like. So the first thing I want to say is I accidentally did it right. (laughs) And I laugh because, you know, having a coaching business, a training business, a consulting business prior to building software, so much of what I learned in building my business, while it seems like, wait, what does software have to do with coaching, you could say literally nothing, but it's actually everything because it's marketing and bootstrapping and like making the money work and pulling in the capital but through products and services, right? And so I did what a lot of people do in this space is pre-sell something before you have it, right? And that was something I was teaching with my course creators was don't make slides, just show up and teach live and I'll show you how to do that. So of course, when we thought of podcast your course, we realized that we could do a service for them until the product was made. So I didn't feel like I was selling nothing. And so people could take us up on us manually creating it for them. Well, that was quite a lift, right? For like $300 lifetime, whatever. We knew that that would be the, what's the word, the validation that we needed, like actual credit cards. And we knew that not everyone would ask to have their thing created and majority didn't actually. I would say about a third of all lifetime users took us up on us manually building their feed for them. So that is big in the SaaS space. And it's not common. It's not common because of how the tech world originally was made, which was like, you have an idea, you need the capital to go get it. We are now in a time where it's easier than ever, actually, to launch a software. And I'm going to explain something in a second that hopefully will encourage other people to do it this way as well. It's not the path I took, but it's also available. So because my software license that we pre-sold and we were able to manually do something, it felt like I was still serving people. I wasn't like hoodwinking them in any way, shape, or form. But not everyone's software might actually be able to be manually done on the back end, meaning you might not be able to create what you need them to create. So you can do no-code software builds. So what that means, it's kind of like Squarespace. When Squarespace came around or you know, some of the builders of websites you can actually have your software built without any coding you would drag and drop and build it and people can start using it and create actions on the back end so i would encourage people to do a no code build to actually validate that people want it and might pay you even monthly versus the lifetime because a lifetime license is is also like a different form of buying you have to prove that people will pay you monthly also yeah. So we ended up selling up to, just so you know, 100K of lifetime licenses. We did three different launches in order to get that number. And that's essentially what fed our development. We did not pay ourselves. That money all went into dev. And we had what they call tech debt at one point where we had software we didn't like. I alluded to it that it happened last year after our original misstep there. Not misstep, whatever. Part of the journey, actually. And so we lost some cash in that. But it's kind of Part of the process. And so, because I'm scrappy and I'm a business owner, we're like, what offer can we come up with to like find the cash to be able to continue exactly. to build it? Right.
1: Right. I tell people yeah. all the time as an entrepreneur, you have a printing press out back. You should never say, yes. I can't afford it. You should say, What can I sell to get this money? Like yeah. every single time.
0: Yeah. And so, we've been working with this developer who's amazing. And Bill has actually been he calls it getting to prod production for like six startups. So knows the space really well. We were another one. And when he saw what Nora and I were able to do and sell, he's like, I've never, this is great. You guys are going to do great. And it's like, oh, we just got in a Facebook live, created an offer, opened a cart and made 30 or 40K. No big deal. And he's just (laughs) like, there's so many startup teams out there that go and give equity away or give up and like pay like out of their own savings account, which, you know, fair enough if that's available to you and you want to do it that way. So he just was like, oh, I get it. You guys can make this happen. So that was cool because I think that showed our developer that we really truly were taking this very seriously and we wanted this to last and continue. So then the next phase of the process was I connected with the CEO of Thinkific which is the learning management software. And they had just raised a series B, I think like 330 million or something like that. And I was like, oh, congratulations on the raise. And I was like, you know, hey, we should connect because I'm like kind of curious about what that could look like. Should we do that? And he's like, I'd love to tell you like how I started Thinkific and all of that. So Greg ends up writing me my first check and that starts the journey of raising capital. And it was at that moment. So I want to paint this picture because this is where it is a little different than the coaching space. And I decided to make the choice. You know, I decided to raise capital versus launching in so many words. I shouldn't say it like that because that's not entirely true. But we had a path for a launched process. We had a path to potentially do partners, which we're still executing on. Okay. Okay. But raising capital was this journey that I think I couldn't not do. And something in me, I'm back to this like inner knowing and the calling type of stuff. I felt like going through this and raising capital was actually part of what I needed to learn to actually model it to people in our industry, actually. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy for people in our industry to bootstrap and again, nothing wrong with bootstrapping, but you do have to ask yourself the question, how quickly could you grow with bootstrapping versus taking capital? And taking capital should make you grow faster because it's an influx of cash that allows you to hire the right people and build what you need to build and show that growth month over month fast. We're bootstrapping, you know, right now my monthly recurring revenue is $7,000. That is not enough to pay my team, right? Right. So we call in the tech world, it's called getting to break even. And this happens in the tech world where most of the time you're raising capital and you're like hoping the revenue catches up and then you're at break even. That's a big milestone in a tech world. So we decided to go down the path of raising capital, which I had no idea what that meant. I read a ton of books. I, of course, talked to Greg a lot. And then I um, Clubhouse, the timing of Clubhouse was bananas. And so I was able to talk with investors there, learn stuff from people who probably aren't used to sharing this kind of information. And that really actually, I think, catapulted my knowledge base to make me confident, because that's the key, right? Am I mm-hmm. confident going out there asking for $400,000 like when I don't quote, like actually know what I'm doing and I had to learn the language, I had to learn all the definitions and the terms and... Um, Sure enough, Danielle, I've had so many people now, so many women say, I've been sitting on this software product, this idea, and watching you do this is making me be like, oh, because that's the cool thing about having software as a service is the margins are amazing. Recurring revenue is awesome. There is not a lot of team overhead, especially once the thing gets built, because you know, the software does the work. And so if you're sitting out there, and this I learned from my coach, Dan Martell. So I also found a coach very quickly. I um, love Dan Martel. Yeah, he's I'm a genius. Amazing. And
1: I was like, I need to get software just so that he can be my coach. Like, honestly, <laughs> I'm like, I want to work with him. But I don't know if he works awesome. with people that don't have software. But I'm like, That's I need it. to develop my software so he can become my coach. There you I, go.
0: And I yeah, like it's he takes you from zero to 10k. And so much of that group, I'm in this coaching program. It's all about marketing. These Mm -hmm. folks don't know how to build, you know, a webinar. He teaches webinars. So I take that and I'm like, okay, cool. I am like already like 10 steps ahead and they're just starting, which just honored the journey up until that point, which I think is really important too. While I feel like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm throwing air quotes again. The reality is, is I do. And this business has got like my previous business got me to that point. My teaching career got me to that point. All the years of education got me to that point, which is why I'm the person to deliver it. Yeah, there are these moments where you're like, oh, everything does make sense. Everything, every step that I took does lead to here. And it's not even what I would label as a mistake. Even that experience with that partner, I'm grateful for her. She's the person who literally shook me and said, Lindsay, we should build this. If right. she hadn't said that, I probably would have partnered with Glow because I I wasn't looking to build it. And I wasn't trusting that I could do it with the right partners. And, and the reality is, is she was totally the right partner. She had the skills we needed. It sucks. She turned out to be a bad person. And not a bad person, but like I think I actually think something has happened to her in a previous business deal. And I think that came up for her. And she panicked, like you said, in the mirror of looking at me being the CEO. Something was not there. But I'm grateful to that happening as much as it was kind of the one of the worst things ever to happen to me in business. It literally made me build it. <laughs> so like whatever messages I needed to make me go. And sometimes you have to the messages have to be dark and really unsettling and not feel well, fair. I think,
1: and I just think sometimes God has to snatch you out of. That's what way. it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> he was snatching. You could have yeah, gone down that path and yeah you would not have had the impact. I'm gonna make it about the impact and not the income, but you wouldn't have had the impact you were supposed to have. Like, yeah, she was the catalyst to get you thinking a different thought, to realize that you were onto something that was going to shake the planet. And her participation in your journey had to end. And maybe there were signs, maybe there weren't, but it had to end drastically because <laughs> it would threaten to derail the destiny that was established for where you were to go next if you stayed in association. And so, you know, it is what it is. You get to the point where you forgive, you know, because you don't want to harbor anything that's going to keep that's you That's what I'm working on. All the I know, <laughs> the it's a process. journey. Listen, nobody yeah. goes to bed a blunder and wakes up a wonder. It's a journey. And so, <laughs> but you keep doing that forgiveness work so that nothing keeps you from the abundance that's rightfully yours. And you thank her for being a catalyst when you can get to that point. And you may never thank her to her. You may thank her only in your journal. You know, you may forgive her only in your journal. You may never reach out to her and audibly forgive her because forgiveness is for Lindsay. It's not for her. Mm -hmm. right? And you do what you need to do and you move on and you keep impacting because everything you've been through up until this point is only to solidify that not only is this needed, but Mm -hmm. it is a big part of your purpose on this planet. And there are way too many more lives to change than to get caught up in the one that tried to derail you. Period. Period. Yeah.
0: Exclamation point, all the things. Yeah. So I think part of me taking this path in the face of my I do want to bring this up too. a mentor that I had as well. I was in his mastermind. I support his programming and all the things. And he was like, nah, don't just bootstrap. Don't raise. And he just said it, but just take it as a grain of salt because he had never done it. He chose to want to hang on to his equity. And so even that is cool when you get to a moment where you have a different understanding and a knowledge than someone that was a mentor of yours and can still be a mentor. So, yeah, I think there was something in me that was like, go against what a lot of people in this industry do, which is bootstrap. And like there's something powerful in like raising capital and getting into this world because it's a bridge. There's a bridge happening, I think, between the coaching space and the tech world. And, you know, I want to show people that that's possible. So if you have something that your team is doing, this is a tip from Dan Martell. If you're doing something in a spreadsheet that like no software is doing right now, there's likely a software idea yeah. there. So there's <gasps> I a way got to- another
1: idea for yes, your software. So I That's have a whole idea. I won't share because I don't want anybody stealing my idea, but I just got a whole <laughs> other idea. My clients love this one spreadsheet that we give them. So I'm going to write that down. But I just wanted to say something about the whole access to capital. Like last mm-hmm. week when I was with my mastermind, we were talking about this. Now my mastermind is 98%. Women of color. And then we've got, you know, two non women of is color. It, you head it or it's one you're in? No, I head it. It's, yeah, it's it. my program. And we were talking about the fact, and we were talking specifically about the SBA money, the EIDL oh, money. Yes. Mm-hmm. It has access to capital. Like, you know, a loan that is 30 years, 3% <laughs> with no qualifications. Like, where else couldn't, can a not lot even of a us, house, because, yeah. yeah, right? Because not we don't like most people. Not necessarily my mastermind, but most people don't have the right reporting. They don't. They don't put together projections. They can't walk into a bank with their business stuff and present it to get a loan. But yep. we were talking about how they were so afraid to get this money, and I was like, I initially was afraid too. Full transparency, yeah. Yeah. like I only took twenty thousand. They offered me one hundred and fifty thousand. Only took twenty thousand. I was like, oh, I don't want to be in debt. Right. But when I started thinking about it, like, you know, I could use that money to run Facebook ads and increase Correct. my impact in the world. And so I ended up going back and get the rest of the money Good, as yes. it was still available. And I ended up taking it. It's sitting in an account. I haven't touched it yet. And I don't even know if I'll need to because our business is doing phenomenal right now. But you always take it when you don't need it. I learned this. That's what I was just about to say. Yes. Always take it when you don't need it. It's mine. And, you know, worst case scenario when, and they just extend it when you have to start paying for it. So now I don't even have to start paying it back for two years. (laughs) Like, and so we were just having this whole conversation about access to capital. So I wanted to put a pin right here for those of you who are listening that have been trying to take your business to the next level with the money you have in cash reserve you are limiting the potential of your business because as Lindsay just said so eloquently, you cannot hire the people you need to hire. And if it is up to you to scale, you're not scaling. You cannot scale being a solopreneur. Like it's just not possible. You need to have people, systems, and software to support you to be able to do it. So if you have the ability to get access to capital, take advantage of it. And what I love also about the SBA is there is no hit to your equity in your company to access it, right? It's all personally, right? Like, yeah. And when you're working with a venture capital firm, you're now giving up some of your equity in exchange for the valuation of your company, which there's a time and a place for that too. Yep. But don't be afraid because you need more capital if you want to grow. Otherwise, you're not going to make the impact that you were created to make, period, point blank. It's just not going to happen. I just think it's so good.
0: No, I'm so glad you bring that up and tie that in because that's super relatable. And it's so important too for women, for women of color specifically. It's understanding that the systems made that reaction to debt and we've seen it. I personally come from like a working class family. So my family filed for bankruptcy. I have like money shit tied to that stuff. and. So there's some mindset things there. Absolutely. But when you think about a system set up, you know, for like that has historically kept people of color out from wealth, redlining, all the things, like, of course, you're going to be skeptical. Like, <laughs> why would the government give someone <laughs> like me money? But when people like Danielle are showing you, like, go get it, take it and use it smart, because yeah. that it's true, that cash influx, if you can put it into a machine that has ROI, however many dollars per month that you're going to owe for 30 years, is going to be a drop in the bucket of what is the potential to create. But it's also scary, like stuff happens. But recognize though, that like the path that you're choosing, you're at the helm of it. And you can make something really cool come out of that capital. And if I've learned anything from raising and This is another mindset thing that I had to go through, which is a little different, yeah, than taking out a loan that you have a percent for, but it's different because I'm giving them a piece of my company, which is a big deal. But I had to flip the mindset of, I'm not asking for money because I need it. I'm asking for money because they get to be a part of an opportunity in a vehicle that is exciting to them. And I had somebody say that to me because like I mentioned, my family with bankruptcy and stuff, we used to borrow from my grandparents. Again, access to generational wealth. My mom used to call my grandpa and like beg for money. And he treated her like shit in the entire process, whole other conversation. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. (laughs) It's like a whole, I love you, mom, but it's a whole thing, right? Like, and I thought asking people for writing a check, just 25 to, you know, 500K, just a check, like, no one does that without strings, right? Or I'm begging for it, right? I have to do it. And I had to get that flip. And they're like, no, you're bringing a gift. You're bringing an opportunity. And that was another thing. So we also have to recognize that, like, Of course, our money stories are going to come up. Darnelle, I know, talks a lot about this. When we're dealing with these lumps of cash, we have things that happened to us growing up that we attach meanings to that money. And I think by literally doing this, I'm actually like, healing the history that my family has gone like money wise has gone through and I could feel it because it was scary as shit so I knew like in the fear that I was in was the healing of like I'm gonna do this differently like I'm going to get checks written for 50k and wired money transferred and it's gonna feel very different and that was A game changer for me. So just to reflect back, like asking for capital, raising capital loans, like the money is out there. I got to basically discover a different way of having money flow to me. And that was by raising around.
1: Yeah. And you have to realize that you deserve it. It's all a deserve issue, right? And it's because regardless of any of it, it's we're constantly questioning, do we deserve it? Did we do something right? Did we do something right? Yeah makes this available to us when honestly, just to be here, to be a creation of the most amazing creator is your deserve, right? Mm -hmm. The invitation to be on this earth right now is your validation that the world needs you. And I love what you said about the flip that you got yourself is realizing that these venture capitalists, they see the gift that you are. They are able to hold up a mirror and be for you what you can't be for yourself to give yourself permission to accept the gift. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, like having 100% of a company that is doing nothing. (laughs) That that made sense to me. You know, having 50% of a company that's impacting the world is humongous. And it is all about perspective and realizing that we are worthy. We do deserve it. There's no way in the world you're going to impact millions if you are not comfortable with millions flowing through you. Your bank accounts are going to be a catalyst for real change in the world. And you have to realize that you deserve that. So I'm grateful that you've been doing that money mindset work and it never goes away at every level. There is another (laughs) devil. It doesn't matter. Like, I remember I was just telling my clients next last week, like we're at the point now. And, you know, my goal is to get to 10 million in three years. We've been, you know, sputtering around this one and a half to two million dollar space forever. And I'm like, I want to have a 10 million dollar company, not just for the cash, but for the impact. Mm -hmm. And so but before that, like my monthly revenue would always, you know, it would be it would probably be at least 75,000. But like some months it would be like the 80. 4,000, it's supposed to be in some months. It would be like the 57. Last March, we did $27,000. Oh, yeah. $27,000, right? Like now, I made a decision this last year during the pandemic, talking about this whole money story thing. It never goes away. I decided that six figure cash months were my new normal. And I decided it. I stood in it. I deserve it. No wavering. And every month since then, we've done six figures in cash every month since I made that decision. And so my whole point of bringing this up for you that are listening, regardless of the decision that needs to be made around money, it is merely a decision. And decision gives you the ability to get the freedom that you are desiring, right? Most people won't decide because of fear of responsibility, but fear of responsibility is really freedom. Because if you have the responsibility to get all of that to come into your life experience and to distribute it in a way that supports and edifies others, you are actually experiencing the freedom that you say you want most urgently inside of your business and your life experience. So... Yes, it's been so good. I really love it. And so I'm going to have to have you back. Like, definitely you're going to have to come back. If you guys aren't following Lindsay, you know, we're going to make sure that we put all of her details in the show notes. She has her own club, Hello Audio on Clubhouse. And every Saturday night she does F3, The Future of Funnels is Female. And we just get to have some really, really powerful conversations with some really, really powerful women. But before I let you go, Lindsay, I have to ask you three questions. Okay. Our round out question. So my first question is what is your favorite quote? The quote that keeps you motivated, that gets you yeah. excited, that reminds you who you are and the space that you fill on the planet. What's your favorite? Yeah. Quote? Well, the quote that I like always stuck
0: with me, like was the signature in my teaching. And again, I'm still the teacher. It may not be <laughs> in the way that I thought is a Robert Frost quote that mm-hmm. teaching is not the filling of a pail, but the
1: lighting of a fire. Ooh. Oh, I love that. Okay. Robert mm-hmm. Frost. Said that. Awesome. And then the last book that you read. Oh, gosh, I read. <laughs> I read so Absolutely. much. I read 100 books a year. I track them all. I, do, I try to do 52. Yeah,
0: I really like fiction. So I want to point out like my wind down time is fiction. So I read probably like three fiction books to like every one business book. I usually read in the morning business just because the mind, it's like personal development, things that I need to be like processing. And like, so fiction books are more like my escape and fun. So the fiction book I just finished reading is Wonder, which was such a fun read. It's about a little boy who's born with face problems. I think it was a movie. It was a a movie, Yeah. Yeah, So so the book, I was crying. I mean, it was, (laughs) and I haven't read a book from the perspective of like middle school kid in a long time, actually. Mm -hmm. So it was a great book. So i finished that last night and then the other book is trampled by unicorns which is written by a female tech she's actually now the ceo of tech stars and it's actually about big tech and bringing empathy into the big tech space and i think that women talking about the future of funnels is female i think the future of tech is, is female and that we're going to need to create tech that is serving humanity and they and she opened with talking about how in tech you should like it's so driven on development and engineering and this like very like rudiment like very like orderly and she's like we need to be bringing in the social sciences and she was quoting sociology and I'm like yes <laughs> so awesome. trampled by unicorns if you're into Silicon Valley tech she kind of okay. gives a plan for what we should do with big tech and and how much information they have and all the things so yeah and I just
1: I don't know have you done a TED talk TED I have not <laughs> okay so I just had a flash of you know, oh. <laughs> And I think I think the TED Talk could either be the future of tech is female or it mm-hmm. could be audio. So I'll just leave yeah. that out there for you. Thank and then you. my last question is, what is the one tool that you swear by to move oh, yeah. your Thank business you. to millions? I love
0: it. Descript.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good
0: Because, yeah, like my husband is really techie. He's my sound guy. He edited our podcast. We're going to be launching a new podcast. I would hand it over to him because the software he was using to do it always looked so hard like and I don't know how you edit your podcast like who on your team does it, it but
1: yeah we send it out
0: it's hard like using those tools he knows it really well and has all these shortcuts and stuff so I just stayed away and then it put me I don't know I felt like there was a bottleneck and so now what I'm realizing with hello audio and we're creating a bunch of private feeds for individual people so I have like one feed for one person I can just like copy and paste and edit the audio so easily. It's like mind blowing and to the point where I, you know, shouldn't be doing it. But at the same time, it is me to do this because the tweaks are so tiny that I could just like move it fast. And so I think Descript is helping me up my content game, I'll say. And that content is big with reach and your ability to personalize and, you know, get your message out there in video or audio format. And so Descript is a game changer for me personally.
1: Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that you were able to come and chat with me today. And like I said, we will totally, totally have to have you back because there's so many more things we could talk about. Just in closing, anything else you want to leave with the people?
0: Uh, I feel like, thank you for this interview. I feel like I was getting as much out of it. Like usually an interview feels very one way, like tell your story. And like you reminded me of a lot of things of how far I've come and and what I'm building. So I feel like, you know, waking up with you on a Tuesday, this was perfect. So I just wanted to say I appreciate you. And I think what you're doing is really great with this podcast. So I'm glad to be a part of it.
1: For social, they get on my nerves about having right? pictures to put on social. Document your shit. <laughs> right. I can't. It's just too much. But thank you so much for being here, Lindsay. I'm so grateful to you. You, and I'm you. really excited about signing up for Hello Audio. So I'm getting in there, you guys. You need to get in there too. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I told you that it was going to be a really, really powerful conversation that I just had with Lindsay. If you enjoyed our conversation and you want to connect directly with her, you want to make sure that you check out our show notes because that'll give you a link to the website to learn more about her and Hello Audio and all of those good things. There were so many powerful things that we talked about in the interview. I think the thing that stands out for me the most was just finding a need and solving it. This all started because she realized that there was a gross need in the marketplace for people who were creating courses and content online. And she literally just asked herself, how can I get people to finish my course? And she endeavor to remove as much friction as possible from the process. So the question I want you to be asking yourself about your business as it stands right now or about the software idea that's going to come out of your business, because we talked about that too, and how if you have a spreadsheet that you're using on a daily basis, it could be software that could be changing the lives of other people. How are you going to take initiative and solving a real problem for people so that you get the opportunity to impact millions, which will ultimately help you make the move to generating millions. There were so many other amazing parallels. I loved when she talked about the fact that launching a software business is much like running an online business and how many of the skills she employed in her online business, she was able to use in her software tech business. Knowing the parallels of between building a business and creating a software company is really the difference to make. And then we also got into that conversation about bootstrapping versus access to capital and taking on capital. She said the fact that confidence, your confidence in yourself your confidence in your ability to, your confidence in the way you see yourself and your deserve level as it pertains to money is going to determine whether or not you try to do it the slow route or you do it in the way that's gonna garner the most amount of impact for the people that you wanna serve. Regardless of anything, I hope that you realize that you right now are literally sitting on a gold mine. You're sitting on the solution that people are actually seeking right now. And I encourage you, I implore you, I beseech you. I know we probably don't really talk in beseech language these days, but I beseech you to literally ask yourself that very simple question and see what comes up. Because I believe that it could be the key to you making the move to millions. I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions Quick Start Guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.